ready for the word today. Amen. Well, I I tell you what, I have something real heavy on my heart. We're continuing to talk about how prayer changes everything. Okay. And the reason we've spent since the beginning of the year, we've just kind of said, God, we want to build a prayer culture into our house. And we started the beginning of the year on a 21 day Daniel fast and a prayer with prayer and fasting. And we've been praying and every week I've been teaching you on prayer. You can go back on the podcast and listen to those things. Uh, My wife, taught you last week about the secret place and the importance of, of, of that. Two weeks ago, I talked to you and gave you practical ways to build a prayer life. And so you have no excuse. Tell the neighbor next to you, you got no excuse. We have no excuse. And that's what I want to try to do. I want to try to remove excuses from you because sometimes we lie to ourselves. I'll even say it like this. No one lies to you more than you do. Come on, we lie to ourselves all the time. We tell ourselves we don't have time. Well, that's a lie. Check how much screen time was on your phone. Come on, amen, last week. So eight hours you were on that phone. That's, that's some time right there. And it found you, didn't it? Amen. Uh, And so we want to be careful we're not lying to ourselves. And so we've been spending a lot of time. And the reason I'm doing this is because prayer is your secret weapon. Come on. Amen. Let me let me let me say it to you like this for some of you comic book fans or movie fans, Marvel fans, or whatever you are. Prayer is your superpower. And you're not using it. You're like Superman that won't fly. Oh, no, I'm cool. You know, I, 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 it's too cold up there. I, I, I ain't got time to fly. I like driving. That's how we must look to the angels in heaven. Because we're suffering. We're going through stuff. And we still won't pray. But prayer is the thing that's going to get us through. We talked about previously how prayer changes you. Amen. Prayer changes you. That's a powerful thing right there. That's the main thing we need. The changes you want to see in life will happen in prayer. Because when you change, everything changes. I know you're waiting for your wife to change. You're going to be waiting a long time. I know you're waiting for your husband to change. You're waiting for your kids to change. You're waiting for your boss to change. You're waiting for your money to change. Come on. We're waiting for other things to change, but I'm here to tell you this. When you change, everything changes. 
The change that God is after is changing you. Amen. Amen? You want your marital status to change because you're single. When you change, everything changes. I said, when you change, everything changes. You want your business to take off. When you change, everything changes. And the place that that happens in, and my wife talked about it last week, was in the secret place. But you got to get there. Now, today, uh, I want to I speak into what's going on in the world because uh, we're about to see more fear come into the lives of people that are out there with what's happening in the Ukraine. And there's a lot of speculation of what is going on out there. And if you watch CNN or you watch Fox, you're getting two different views. And one view is all mad. And they're saying, this is happening because our candidate didn't get in there. And then the other side is going, hey, this is just happening. And it's all this stuff. And then you're going to get on Facebook or you're going to get on YouTube. And you're going to see preachers talking about stuff. And saying, this is the end times. And, and, and then there's going to be people afraid, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And then you're going to turn on MSNBC, which is the business or the business channels that are out there. And they're going to start scaring you because they're telling you gas prices could go to 12 bucks a gallon. That's going to affect everything. When gas goes up, everything goes up. Because everything that you and I purchase comes in on a truck or a plane. And so all this stuff is going to begin to, to bring fear. And so today what I want to talk to you about is how prayer can insulate you from some of that. And you need to listen because we have sometimes they're, they're throwing around the term World War III again. We haven't heard that in, in a while. We haven't heard that since the 80s, since the wall fell down in East Germany and communism was no longer. And all of a sudden it's back. We could be on the brink of World War III. And so people are freaking out. But you know what? We have something that is called the Word of God. And let me tell you something about the Word of God. The Word of God does not only teach you about history of the nations. It teaches you about what will happen in the nations through something we call Bible prophecy. And, and, and I know there's been a lot said about Bible prophecy, and I know there's always been speculation. If you were saved in the 70s or 60s or even 80s, it was a very hot topic. And the reason it was a hot topic is because of communism in Russia. Because the scriptures talk about, and I'm going to show you a little bit, about some things that will happen coming in from nations in the north. But then at the end of the 80s, communism, it was wiped out in Russia and people thought, OK, then it's not going to happen. And then here we do. Here we are fast forwarding to 2022 and all of a sudden Russia is a superpower again and they're threatening other nations. And we'll talk about that. But can we go to the word of God today? This is going to help you. This is going to help you bring peace to your kids. And I pray that it pushes you further into your prayer closet. Okay, Matthew 24, uh, verse 3 through 8. I want to read this to you. This is where we're going to start today. It says this. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, I like this. We're giving, we're, we're flies on the wall. We're, we're privy to a private conversation. This isn't Jesus preaching to the masses. This is Jesus in the back green room and he's talking to his staff. And listen, they ask him, they ask him this. It says this, tell us 
When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, you need to highlight that in your Bible. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But I want you to highlight this right here. He says, see that you are not troubled. Come on, let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. See that you are not troubled. Then he says this, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That word kingdom there uh, is translated people group against people group. That could be a racial uprising. It also could be a political uprising, Democrats against Republicans, all those kinds of things. Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, which we just came through uh, a a pandemic, y'all. That's right there in the scriptures. And earthquakes in various places. And listen to what he says here. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're in this place today. And I pray that you would use your word as a sign to us, Lord God, to instruct us, to lead us, and to guide us. And Father, we just ask that this word would bring courage to us, bring strength to us to be about your business. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So so Jesus has something to say about the times that we're in. Jesus has something to say about these times. We have to have an ear to hear what he's saying. And the main thing I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking today is this. Jesus said here, see that you are not troubled. You know, translation, South Sac translation, don't freak out. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't freak out. Hey, don't freak out when gas may go to $10 an hour. An hour, I mean a gallon. I'll take $10 a gas an hour. I mean. Don't freak out. Don't freak out when your political party is freaking out and saying, this is happening because of this. Don't freak out. Jesus said, see that you're not troubled. It's very important because we have Christians that are freaking out. Oh my gosh, Jesus is coming tomorrow. Maybe, but don't freak out. Oh my gosh, World War III, what are we going to do? We just, what about our kids? Don't freak out. I I, I need somebody to hear this today because you're going to go home and you're going to get on YouTube and and a preacher is going to say something and you're going to freak out about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Come on, haven't we had enough of that during the pandemic? Oh my gosh, the, the, you know, this shot is the, is the mark of the beast. Come on now. Come on, really? But see, that stuff is going to go around and it's not going to stop. It's going to get out there to whip people into a frenzy. Listen, statistics will show you people that are on social media suffer more with anxiety than people who limit their use. 
Why? Because, uh, you, you know, they had the whistleblower that came out last year from Facebook. And what she said, working from Facebook, she testified to Congress that a main motive of social media companies is to get people upset or fearful because they know when people are upset and fearful, they will use social media more. So it is a plan of the enemy to get you upset, to get you afraid. But aren't you glad we don't listen to Mark Zuckerberg? Aren't you glad we don't, we aren't run by Instagram or TikTok? <laughs> Who runs us? Jesus Christ. And what I came here to tell you this morning is don't freak out. Even if your tia freaks out, your uncle, your aunt, your mom and dad, Jesus is telling you today, don't freak out. Now, why are people freaking out? Well, they're freaking out because what is happening in the Ukraine is, is something that uh, could very well start World War III. And uh, that's, what, that's what people are saying. But according to the word of God, uh, many Christians are recognizing that this has something to do with some Bible prophecy. Uh, look at Ezekiel 37, one through five. Now, I don't claim to be a Bible prophecy expert. I've studied it in school, in, in Bible college, and I have understanding of it. I, I know enough to know that a lot of people have gotten a lot of things wrong. Uh, I remember hearing about things. If you were alive during World War II, there was a lot going on in the church saying, this is the end. This is the end of times. Look what's going on. Look what Hitler's doing. Look this war. The world's at war. Jesus is coming soon. And then the war ended. Jesus did not come. As I said earlier, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s during the Cold War, the church stood waiting for Jesus to come, and there were books being written. There was a book that came out, 88 Reasons Why God, Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, and then 1989 hit. And he re-released a book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. And again, he was wrong again. And that produced a mindset in Christians. Now listen to this. A lot of Christians that came up in those times, they decided not to go to college. They decided not to pursue business because in their mind, they said, well, Jesus is coming back. Ain't none of that going to happen anyway. We just need to hang on and go to church. And that's not what I'm telling you to do because that's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus tells us to occupy until I come. You know what that means? Dominate means dominate. That means go out and get your education. Get that degree. Get that position in business. Get that paycheck. Get that bag. I knew you'd like that one. I knew you'd like that one. But use the bag to build the kingdom. Use the degree to see that the, the gospel goes out to more and more people. Are you tracking with me? That's the kingdom of God. That's what he said to do. But the early in, in those years, I remember I was privy to conversations and, and what believers were doing. Instead of building the kingdom, they were waiting. And they sang songs in the 60s like, I'll fly away. 
Some of y'all remember those songs, right? I'll fly away, Lord Jesus. I'll fly away. You don't know that song. That's all right. Because I don't want you to know that song. Because the message of that song is I'm just waiting for God to come get me out of here. And that is not the message of Jesus Christ to us. The message to Jesus Christ to us is I am coming back. But you know people that if I come back, they will not go with me. So your job is to get sons back to the father. My job is to make sure as many people uh, that I meet get to go to heaven with us because Jesus is coming soon. So let me read you here, Ezekiel uh, 37, one through five. This is what's being talked about by so many Bible prophecy experts and preachers and things, and it's very valid. It's the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones, and you've heard this preached by many preachers before. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And God said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Now, what is all this talking about? Well, Bible scholars will tell you that at the time of this uh, scripture, Israel was no longer a nation. They had gone into captivity. Other nations had come in and dominated them and taken them off to different lands. And the nation of Israel that we read about in the scriptures in the Old Testament was no longer. It had become other nations and and they were spread out in these nations, slaves in other places. And so the Bible says here, when God comes to Ezekiel, he later says, and we'll read it, Ezekiel, these dry bones are Israel. The, The nation is dead. The nation is no more. And he tells Ezekiel to prophesy these words. Now look what it says here in in verse nine. He says, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, breathe in breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. But therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, performed it, says the Lord. So from Ezekiel's time all the way through World War II in 1948, Israel was not a nation. It was lost. It was gone. It was Palestine. And, 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 and Jews had been spread out all over the world. 
But then the end of World War II came. And I, some of you know this, some of you don't. At the end of World War II, uh, the, the United Nations came together and said, we've got to do something for the Jewish people that have been terrorized by Hitler. And they came up with a decision to reinstall Israel as a nation. And in one day, May 14th, 1948, this prophecy of Ezekiel was fulfilled. And never before had a nation come back together in one day. And from that day forward, Israel became a nation. And Jewish people from all four corners of the world began to come back to Israel. They came from, from uh, Germany. They came from Europe. They came from all over. And now we know Israel today as a nation. Now, stay with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So this is how powerful the Bible is. It prophesied into 1948, way back in Ezekiel's time. But how many of you know the Bible's not done prophesying to us? So then in Ezekiel 37, he begins to, to uh, talk a little bit more. Look at verse 21 through 22. He says, then say to them, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them to their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and one king will be over them and they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms. Now go over to Ezekiel 38 verse one. We saw that fulfilled. That's already done. And now here we are in present day. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn you around and I will put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with your army, horses and horsemen all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. Persia, which is modern day Iran, uh, Ethiopia and Libya and are with them and all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer with all of its troops and the house of Togorma and the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. And in this portion of scripture, he begins to talk about an invasion into Israel. And he begins to say that Gog and Magog and Bible scholars believe that when you study the roots of Russia, when you study the roots of the Ukraine and Crimea and these, these uh, Belarus and these nations that are right there, these are the regions that, Magog and, uh, that Gog and Magog came out of. So the region that he's talking about that is one day going to invade Israel is modern day Russia. And so here we are in 2022 and Russia is making some moves that the entire world is upset about. The entire world knows if they continue to go and conquer these other nations, what begins to happen is somebody's got to rise up to stop them. And the only other superpower that's on the other side is the United States of America. And guys, that is where the fear comes in. But remember, Jesus said, see that you are not. Oh, y'all didn't say it right. See that you are not. See, y'all forgot already. He was already freaking out. Oh, pastor. World War Three. We're going to really. Get... Hey, it could happen. 
But that's why we live by Jesus's words, not CNN, not Wolf Blitzer. Amen. Those guys. But it's clear in Ezekiel, and this is where many people feel like, man, this is the beginning of this Russian invasion into Israel, uh, this, of this happening. And you might say, well, why would, would Russia invade Israel? Well, one of their allies is Iraq and Iran, which is also mentioned in the scriptures. And they have been after Israel for many, many years. We also know that the ally to Russia is China. And China's eyeing Taiwan on the other side of the, of, of the world. And many of you that went on missions trip with us to the Philippines, remember that great nation of Taiwan that we've got to visit there. Well, they're on alert right now. So all these things could, could really take our world into a whole nother direction. But it's a direction that has been prophesied in scripture. Now, I want to say this. It's very possible it doesn't happen either. I said, it's very possible it doesn't happen. See, the mistake that we've made throughout history is we thought, oh, World War II, this is it. This is the end. It wasn't the end. Oh, you know, uh, how many remember uh, Y2K? Some of y'all still eating that rice and beans you had in your garage stored up. <laughs> it's good too, pastor. It's good. Listen, every time something big happens, the church freaks out. And that's the mistake. Jesus said, don't freak out. He said, don't be troubled. But what I, the reason I'm bringing to you today as you, this as your shepherd is because there's going to be a lot of voices that are talking out there and they're going to try to freak you out because if they can freak you out, you'll watch their TV show longer. So it's the news's job to freak you out because if you're freaked out, you ain't turning off the news. It's social media's job to post controversial things to get you to freak out. So you keep looking at their posts. But I wish I could get you to look at Jesus's posts and his post, his Twitter feed says, don't freak out. Come on, tell your other neighbor, don't freak out because he's freaking out. You already told the other one, but this time you got to tell them because they're freaking out. So when you really study out Ezekiel 38 and you look at the names that are mentioned like Gomer, that region that he's talking about is literally the region of Crimea which is the big part of what they're after, and the Ukraine right now. It's all right there when you study the roots of these nations. It even mentions Syria and Libya, who are Russian allies in 2022. Guys, this book was written thousands of years ago. How in the world would they know what our world system would be set up by? I'll tell you how they would know. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. This book ain't playing with you. Amen. This book ain't playing. The power of this book changed me and it changed you. The power of this book has kept my family together. The power of this book has put me on different stages in different nations all around this world. This book has changed you too. This book has made so many of you a different person. You were a jerk before you got saved and you know you were. Tremenda you were before you got saved. All out in the club, dressing all crazy. But this book changed you. You were bad. Tell your neighbor how bad you were. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) 
I like at this front row right here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know you like that. Okay, all right. It's a murderer's row right here, and I don't mean I don't mean the New York Yankees either. No, I'm just joking. We all were. But the book changed us. Because it's powerful. Why do we leave the book and start following people, start following opinions, start following culture? When I read prophecies like this and I go, oh, my Lord, this is happening on CNN right now. It causes my spirit to jump because it's a confirmation once again that this book is real. I challenge you to study it out on your own. I may post some links on our, on our church page of, of some Bible scholars and some of the things that they've been taught. But listen, if you're going to watch those things and if you're going to listen to those things, don't freak out. Do you hear me? Don't freak out. If, if gas rises, don't freak out. Start praying. Start walking your bedroom floor and say, Father, I thank you that I can afford $10 a gallon. Come on, somebody. You're going to bring me the provision for this. It's going to affect business. It's going to affect how people spend money. It's going to affect how people travel. But don't freak out. Amen? Look at uh, Ezekiel 38, 14. Let's jump down a little bit more. It says, therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, which people believe this is Russia in that, in that region there. Thus says the Lord God on that day, when my people Israel dwell safely, and they've been dwelling safely, you will not know it. When, then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many people with you, all of them, riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover them in the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he whom I have spoken in former days of my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, thus says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. And it's that battle that we know that will one day take place. That is not what we're looking at in Ukraine. It's the beginning, possibly. But the battle that they say will happen if anything was to be done towards Israel is what Bible prophecy says that will usher in the, coming, the second coming of Christ. The church has been declaring Jesus has been coming back for thousands of years. And it, we very well could be on the brink of that. But here's what Jesus says. Don't freak out. Tell your other neighbor, don't freak out. Because they're still freaking out. They're so, I could see them. I could see them, y'all. They're freaking out. Don't freak out. So look at Matthew 24. Now let's look what Jesus says about all this, right? Jesus says this. What would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? And let me stop right there before I read this. So if we're, not, if we're not supposed to freak out, like I said, what should our focus be on? 
okay? And there is definitely a focus that you and I are supposed to be focusing on. And I want you to write these down because if you don't write them down, you will forget them and you will go to work Monday and you will be about your life and you'll be forgetting the most important things that you should be doing in this season. So take something out, write on your phone, write on your iPad, take out your tattoo pen, whatever it is you got. So you don't forget and uh, remember this. The first thing we need to be doing is building the kingdom of God. You say, pastor, how do I do that? It's very easy. Remember, we should be walking with Jesus. That means this. If you're truly walking with Jesus, you're doing what he's doing. The second thing you need to be doing, and I'll talk more about this, is you need to be building your relationship with him. It's actually in reverse order, but I just, I wasn't giving you a specific order. But those are the two things you should be doing. Let's say it like this. Number one, build your relationship with him. And some of you haven't been doing that. And I don't say that to condemn or put you down or make you feel bad. I say that as a warning. Because the scripture is very clear. Jesus said one, that, that we will face him. And many of us will come to him saying, Jesus, son of God. And he'll say, I don't know you. And in the scriptures, that man says, no, you remember me. I casted out devils in your name. I did this. I went to church. I served at the outreach. I was in the nursery. I ushered. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And what is the premonition there? The thing that you've got to catch right there that he's trying to say is, it's not by your works that I know you. It's by relationship that I know you. And so as we see all these things unfolding in the world, it's important we're working on our relationship with Jesus, which is done in prayer. Nothing spells love in a relationship like T-I-M-E. Some of you are like. Time. Time. The light bulb just went off. Oh, okay. Time. If there's someone you love, you got to spend time with them. If you say you love your wife, you could say it all you want, but if you don't spend time, they'll never feel it. You could tell your kids, I love you, but it's time that spells out love for them. And can I tell you something else? Same way with God. You need to spend time with him. You need to spend time in his house. And we can't be in the church and be like, oh, gosh, is he almost done? Oh, my gosh. Okay, because you didn't, that ain't, try going out on a date like that. That'll be your last date. Okay, hurry up and eat because I got to go home. She ain't ever going out with you again. I hope she ain't ever going out with you again. Nowadays, you just don't know. So those are the two things we should be doing. So Jesus here in this scripture gives us a scenario where stewards, he's talking about people that have been given a task to do by their master. And in the story here, he tells them the master is coming back. And look what happens. What would qualify a servant, that's you and I, to manage his master's house? That's God's business, Jesus's business in the earth, building the kingdom. He would be a wise servant who is both faithful and dependable the master would commission him to oversee others for he would lead them well and give them food at the right time. 
That's us. That's what God has commissioned us to do. Carry the gospel to people. Share Jesus. Build the church. Then he says this, what joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence? I can promise you the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all that he owns. Now, what is that speaking of? That's speaking of eternity. Where in eternity, the Bible says that we will be given rule over kingdoms. That only happens if when the master comes back, he sees us busy about his business. Not your business. If your business ain't his business, you in trouble. Let's keep reading. What joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence. I can promise you the master will raise him up, put him in charge of all that he owns. But listen, but the evil servant says in his heart, my master's not coming and who knows when he will return. And because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in the master's household. Who is the master's household? The church, not just this church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. What do we like to hear Christians talk bad about the most? The church. You better watch what you say because you're talking about Jesus's wife. And there's not a man in here that's going to let you talk. Come on, somebody about his boo. If you a dude, you're going to get five knuckles. Come on. I lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Can't hit a woman, but you ain't getting no love. Again, but what do we see the evil people doing? Mistreating God's household. You know, there's another way you can mistreat people. Not provide for them. another reason CPS will take your kids. Sure, you ain't beating on them, but you ain't providing for them. Let me keep reading because somebody's getting mad out there. I heard somebody crying. Oh, it was a baby? Oh, I thought it was somebody in this section right over here. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. He says this, my master delays his coming and who knows when he will return. Because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in the master's household. But guys, it's just about treating the bride right. Instead of caring for the ones he is appointed to serve, he abuses the other servants and begins to party with drunkards. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return unexpectedly and he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust and the master will cut him in two and assign him to the place of great sorrow and anguish along with the other hypocrites. And we know that to be the place called hell. That's what we know that to be. Now, let me bring some attention to you right now. Jesus is talking about the servants of the master. He's not talking about the world. We already know what's going to happen to people in the world that don't know Jesus. But you know what? We get deceived into thinking just because I gave my life to Christ, just because I said a prayer and I go to church every once in a while, 
that I'm in. When I read the scriptures here of what Jesus teaches, he says, it's more than that, folks. He says, you better be about tending to the father's business. This is who it's written to. This is who he's talking to. He's talking to us. And we have decisions to make. Now, right about now, this is where we get people going. Well, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? Quit my job and move to Africa and become some kind of missionary? Am I supposed to just stop what I'm doing? I got kids to feed. I got a mortgage to pay. Listen, nobody's telling you to do that. Nobody's telling you to do that. What the scripture is basically saying is with all that you're doing, connect it to what God is doing in the earth. He gave you that position at work so that you can be his ambassador. So that when he needs something from the position that you hold, that you have the power to give, you can give an okay. You got to realize that. He gave you that property that you own, that house that you own. And it's important that you start having a vision to own houses. Listen, in a few weeks, we're going to be doing a first-time buyer's seminar here at the church on a Saturday. We'll get you more information about that soon. To where, Because we want you to be armed. Some of you young couples and you singles, you, you, you could buy a house. And you say, but shouldn't I be about the father's business? Listen, the kingdom needs homeowners. Kingdom needs business owners so that when God needs something, you don't just be like, oh, it's all mine. And then when I got to get up here and say, hey, we need to collect an offering that you're all mad. Did you know we actually lost people? Remember that when I preached on giving for a couple weeks, we lost people because of that. People say, ah, this church, they just want my money. Man, I'm sorry. Listen, I wish I didn't have to preach those messages either. It's uncomfortable. But I don't get to choose what I preach. If it's in the Bible, I got to give it to you. Two things Jesus taught most is the kingdom of God and money. Two things. He taught more about giving than he did heaven or hell. He taught more about giving than he talked about helping the poor and healing. But in our churches, we've switched it another way. My point is this, guys. You don't have to leave everything you're doing. You simply have to make everything you're doing about what God's doing. Maybe you got that raise so you could give more to the house of God. But see, you saw that raise as a new reason to go get you some new drip. You got that raise. You said, yes, I could finally get that new Gucci bag. I didn't get no laughs on there because I hit too close to home. Somebody was like, ouch. That raise wasn't just so you could get on Fashion Nova and just get your wish list. God don't mind his children with nice things. But what the scriptures is telling us is just be about my business. Take care of my household. Now, if you go to this house, it's our responsibility to care for the house of God. If you go to another church, man, you better care for that thing. That's why God put you there. You're his steward. I challenge you. Read Matthew 24. Read the scriptures for yourself. 
My point is this, in a time when Jesus could be coming back because we're seeing the signs of the times, you better be about your father's business, not your own. And you know what that's going to mean? You're going to have to get over yourself. You're going to have to heal up. Man, pastor, I want to be, but every time I go to church, this person looks at me crazy. Every time I go to church, I don't feel like anybody likes me. Tell your neighbor, get over it. Tell him, just whisper it, because it's nicer that way, right? Get over it. No, don't yell at this fool over here yelling it. Get over it. Get over it. That's what I don't want you to do. Whisper it. We're going to start a fight over here, I'll tell you. Listen, you may have to get over yourself to be about God's business. You may have to get over, because some people are like, I just don't like being around people. You may have to get over that to be about his business. Well, I don't want to get to church. You may have to get over some stuff to be about his business because I definitely don't want to be the wicked servant. I don't even want to guess what cutting in two means right there in that scripture. His eye, the master will cut him in two. I wish I had a prophetic what that means, but I don't. All I see is a dude, shoo, so I don't want to mess that up in the scriptures. Why ain't touching that one? But guys, as we watch things unfold, as we watch things unfold in the nations, we must let it be a reminder. Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back, y'all. Some of you older saints, you've been hearing that your entire life. And that's okay. Some of you younger saints, we haven't said that enough. We haven't said that. We haven't declared that to our generation enough. And as I see these things unfolding on the news, I said to myself, man, we got to start telling our folks at Elevate Life Church that Jesus is coming soon. Keep having babies. Come on. Get married. Amen. Get married. Some of you are like really trying to speed it up now. Dang, God, can you just hold off so I can get married? Where? Don't be coming back before I get to have some sex. God dang. I saw you thinking about it. I saw you. I just, I, you thought it. I said it. All right, whatever. We got to be careful that we don't just go, ah, oh, throw our hands up. Oh, he's coming back. No, occupy, build, get your family ready, build your business, stack your chips, get the bag. Do what you need to do. Build those things up. Just know that everything that you have, you got to connect to building God's kingdom. You want a wife? Then don't stop serving God when you get married. Talking about we need me time. No, both y'all need to build God's kingdom. We pray for kids and then we have kids and nobody wants to serve God no more. Well, we want to go out and have family time. Listen, teach the family how to build God's kingdom. Smile at me. Smile at me, church. Come on, y'all looking off. Don't touch, my, don't touch my God right now. Because remember what the wicked people were doing. Jesus ain't coming, and they were partying. They were getting lit. Like some of us last night. Amen. Don't point them out. Don't point them out. Amen. Just look straight ahead. But it's time, guys, we know Jesus is coming back soon. 
And he's going to require some things of you. He's going to require some things of you. He gave you that position. He gave you those paychecks. He gave you that position of influence. He gave you the money. He gave you the property, all those things, so that you could be a blessing to other people. So that you could build the kingdom. Remember, he gives everybody time, treasure, and talent. Make sure God is getting a little. He don't, want, he don't need all of it. He just needs a little of it. And he'll take 10% of something and give it ultimate blessing back. But this morning, what I want you to hear is he's coming back soon. Be about his business. Build your relationship with him through prayer, through reading his word, and build his kingdom. Because when he comes back, those are the two things that he's going to be looking for. He's not going to care about the business you're building if you never shared it with him. He's not going to care about this family that you have if you never shared your family with him. He's not going to care about anything that you're doing now. Well, you know, I'm just trying to get this degree. I'm just doing because I have my career. I have my vision. He's not going to go, oh, that vision is so great unless the vision is helping to accomplish his vision, which is establishing his covenant with others. So you don't need to quit your job. You don't need to, you know, do anything different except change your heart and say, God, forgive me because I've made my marriage and my family about us. I've made my finances just about having drip and shining and, 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 and doing these things. I, I've made it about me, God. Because here's the reality. If Jesus would have come right now, we already know you're a servant. But would you be on the side of the servant that gets the reward? Or would you be on the side of the servant that doesn't make it in? Because he has not been about his father's business. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.